It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, September 30th, 2015, and you're listening to God and Comics, the only place where you can find incense made out of radioactive spider venom. On today's show, humor. We talk about what makes the funny books funny, what humor can do to improve the experience of a comic, and why it is that everyone is laughing at you because they are all laughing at you. Plus, our recommendation, this or that, and a whole lot more. I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I'm here at uh, Church of the Holy Comforter in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. On the line with me today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm from Christ Church in Cooperstown, New York. And also on the line is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm at Church of the Messiah in Fredericksburg, Virginia. I think I got our order uh, mixed up there, but uh, that's okay. You know, it keeps everybody on their toes. Yes, it uh, does. We're going to jump right into our recommendation. And uh, let's see, is that Father Kyle, is that you this week? That, that is me this week. Okay, what, what, what Batman book are you recommending for us today? Ah, no Batman. Oh. <laughs> Surprisingly. Um, my recommendation this week actually is the new Star Wars series that Marvel has been publishing for ah. maybe nine months or so now. That's written by Jason Aaron and drawn by John Cassidy. And also there's the Darth Vader series that ties in with that. Both of these books are excellent, excellent books. They uh, pick up where Episode Four, the very first original Star Wars movie, left off. And the intention of these books is to start to bridge the gap in a canonical way between um, Episode Four, A New Hope, and The um, Empire Strikes Back, which is Episode Number 5 in the Star Wars movie series. And they're trying to do it in a canonical way so that everything that comes out from Marvel here on out with regard to Star Wars is an official part of the uh, canon of the story. It's a fantastic book, extremely well written. It has very much a movie feel to it and um, reminds you a lot of episode four in a lot of ways. And the art itself uh, by John Cassidy is, is excellent art. Um, definitely the characters look like the characters that are in the movies. Um, you can recognize Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill for who they are. That kind of stands a little bit in contrast to the earlier Star Wars series that Marvel did, which is good, and I had read some of them growing up, but oftentimes the characters didn't look artistically like the actual ones in the movie. Mm -hmm. So this is, a, um, this is a major leap forward on that front. But the um, Star Wars book itself is tracking the adventures of, of Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and their other compatriots and uh, following their attempts as part of the rebel alliance to um, dismantle the empire and then the Darth Vader comic which is in conjunction with this is dealing with um, what is going on as a fallout from Darth Vader kind of being the culprit behind the explosion of the Death Star and this is an issue that was not really touched upon in the Empire Strikes Back so much so you get to see another perspective um, that lay behind that entire story of how the Emperor ends up dealing with Darth Vader as a result of the loss of the Death Star. 
So I highly recommend these books. I'm, I'm like eagerly waiting for the next ones to come out now. I think these are some of the best comic books I've read in quite some time. How long do you think it'll take before George Lucas uh, goes back and starts drawing stuff over top of what's already there? <laughs> Hopefully never, but he, he should have learned from his mistakes with regard to the original trilogy, but can't say that he has. Well, I suppose we'll find out at some point. We will. We will. Yeah. I'm glad you uh, you weighed in on this because I've been wondering if those Star Wars comics are worth reading. Yeah, they also have um, Princess Leia, which I haven't read yet, but mm -hmm. it's in my queue of comics to read. And they've started a new series right now, which I'm also very eager to read. The first issue came out. It's called Shattered Empire. That series itself is supposed to run through all of the through Star Wars and Darth Vader and kind of tie all those comics in together, as well as standing on its own as a little mini-series. Um, but I know there's further ones in development from Marvel. I think I heard a rumor in my comic book store last week that they were going to give one issue for every single character in the original oh film, which might be a bit much. I know they're coming out with a Lando Calrissian comic yes. as well. Um, Billy D. Williams and lots of Colt 45. That is exactly right. <laughs> if they don't show him throwing back a Colt 45, they've missed an opportunity. That's right. <laughs> uh, anybody who was born uh, after 1990 has no idea why that joke is funny. That's true. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you for that recommendation. And uh, on that note, we will move into our discussion about humor. Let's talk a little bit about humor in, in comic books. Um, you know, I, I made that illusion at the beginning about what makes the funny books so funny. Of course, you know, most, most comics are not uh, necessarily, the humor's not necessarily their first thing, and yet, of course, back in the early days they used to refer to comics as the funny books because uh, people didn't really understand the difference between the uh, cartoon page in the newspaper at that point and the, the comic books in people's hands. And I even had this happen to me this week, uh, believe it or not. I was telling uh, another priest in this diocese about our, our program uh, and comics and he said, oh, you like comics? And I said, yeah. I said, why, do you like comics? And his response was, oh, well, uh, you know, I, I do try to read the newspaper. Uh, you know, like, like that was, uh, he equated those things together in his head. Um, of course, there is overlap there, but uh, it's sort of, sort of interesting sure. that that association was uh, the first one for him. You know, clearly I must be talking about Ziggy. Um, but... Um, <laughs> At any rate, so tell me, guys, what are some of the uh, funnier uh, books you've read, some of the funnier moments you've seen, and, and what is it that makes them funny? Well, I've, I'm probably going to steal Father Matt's one in some ways, but one of the funniest books that I've read, and this is going back a ways, was the um, Justice League series that uh, DC <laughs> did at the end of the 1980s, and we were kind of talking about it before the show, but J.M. DeMattis uh, and Keith Giffen, they took a very humorous look at the Justice League after they went through the whole crisis event 
the team back together that consisted um, some standard Justice League characters like Batman and Martian Manhunter, John Jones, um, and then added some unusual folks like Blue Beetle and Booster Gold and Mr. Miracle and Oberon and Captain Marvel or Shazam as he's now called. They stuck these guys together. Oh, we can't forget Guy Gardner, the Green Lantern. They mm. stuck these guys together, and um, and they wrote a very humorous book. They put they put real quirky personalities on all of them, and they they managed to make Batman funny, um, which is not something many comic writers seem able to do. But Batman was able to have his funny moments as well, and uh, that book continued for quite a while into the early 90s under that direction I think and um, it was just a great book That's that would be one of my um, picks for a really funny book Was it Justice League America or just Justice League? It was Justice League for the first six issues and then or first seven issues it might have been and then number like number seven or eight they changed over to um Justice League International. Um, part of the storyline was that there was this guy Maxwell Lord, who oh, yeah. um, okay. was acting as as pretty much their manager, and uh, and he got them on an international scale after the first so many issues. And there's a whole intriguing story with him as well. But yes, Wonder Woman killed him. Yes, yeah, that's right. That happened in Infinite Crisis, I think. Right, uh, or. Um was it in, I don't think it was in, was it in Infinite Crisis or just before? Just before, it might have been just before, yeah. Uh, I think because that was part of what was, uh, was well anyway, that, this, is a, this is a rabbit hole that people who haven't read this stuff won't be able to come out from. <laughs> right, But right. Uh, anyway. But yeah, I, I, I would have to second Father Kyle. A, a delightful book, just a lot of fun to read. And, and funny in a time when a lot of comic books were going in the opposite direction. You know, the, it was the era of the dark anti-hero, Wolverine, the Punisher, you know, and, and Gritty was in. But they really did something uh, fun with, with the Justice League. And uh, Keith Giffen, he's definitely someone that, when we talk about humor in comic books, he, he was one of the first people to come to my mind. Along with his Justice League uh, work, he had some more explicitly slapstick kind of work, too. And I'm thinking in particular of the Ambush Bug. Do you guys remember Ambush Bug? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, uh, those, were, those comics were just a riot. And they're just absolutely bonkers because they're just off-the-wall inventive and, um, you know, all sorts of inside jokes to the DC universe and, and even the editorial staff you know he would take shots at it was just a lot of fun to read i mean he's done other stuff the heckler was another sort of a keith giffen work in that that line and of course he created the character lobo who became a, a very popular character in dc in the 90s but he created him really to poke fun at like the anti-hero you know characters like wolverine um in particular yeah, um, Keith Giffen is definitely up there It's when I think of humor in comics. The other books that I think of is The Flaming Carrot by Bob Burden. 
I don't know if you guys have read this, but this is another book that is, is out of control, wacky, and, and just you never know where it's going. The Flaming Carrot, um, you know, he was an individual after binge reading like 5,000 comic books in a row. He, he like has brain damage and he transforms into the Flaming Carrot, which is who's just sort of superhero, I guess you could say. It's hard to say what powers he has. But he stops communist plots to take over the world and and things like that. He's you know he, his head is a giant carrot, which of course is on fire. And then for some reason he has like green webbed duck feet, which I always thought was a nice touch. Of course, I think we also have to mention the tick. There was the animated cartoon which is kind of how I got into The Tick. When I was younger, I would watch that. And then they made this sitcom, too, uh, which was a live-action thing. And uh, I actually I heard a rumor, and I hope this is true, that The Tick uh, might uh, make a comeback for Amazon streaming. Um, I don't know. Have you guys heard anything about that? I did. I did hear that rumor. be curious to see if it comes true. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, but I, I'll say, you know, my, my main experience with The Tick uh, has actually been in the free comic book day uh, comics ah. that they've put out, um, which usually are, are very big, and, uh, and they kind of go from year to year. Um, and uh, so that's, th those have been among some of the better ones that you can pick up on free comic book day. He's sort of this big, muscle-bound uh, dude in like a blue suit, kind of reminiscent of Batman. He, uh, he's got these antennae, um, <laughs> and he—I think in the comics he's actually an escaped mental patient, but right. he's—he's indestructible. He's incredibly strong, and he—he he partners with this sort of pudgy, overweight accountant named Arthur, who wears a moth suit. Um, and they're sidekicks. They fight crimes uh, together. Um, yeah, it just—it's just so much fun. Really, a, a hilarious book. When I think about this, you know, I—I I sort of feel like a, a broken record because I'm going to mention a lot of the things that I uh, have mentioned in previous programs. But you know, the funnier books that that I read at the moment are things like uh, Chip Zdarsky's Howard the Duck. Um, Things like um, the Harley Quinn series, I, you know, I think that um, Paul Miotti and, and Connor, and then sometimes they work with Justin Gray, have a great way of, of kind of working humor into what they do. Um, also, uh, Matt Fraction, I think, is a great uh, writer of comic book humor. One of the things, though, that I think makes humor work in a comic book in a different sort of way is when writers and artists for that matter recognize that they're working in a, in a different kind of medium they recognize that they're working in a still medium and so they're able to kind of exploit that a little bit um, and you know make a joke out of the sound effect that they are writing for the broken glass or something like that you know um, or um, and Howard the Duck, they like to do these sort of montage pages that <laughs> almost look like 80s montage uh, videos from films. But really just, you know, kind of capturing the interplay between the visual joke and the, the spoken joke 
is it's a it's a complicated trick to pull off. Uh, but some of these guys are, are able to do that uh, pretty well. But I don't know. What do you what do you guys think? I mean, is there a different approach to humor that you have to have if you're creating a comic book than you would if you were creating something else? Or do you or when you read a comic, are you looking for a different kind of humor than you would in other mediums? I don't know. You know, it's funny having grown up reading primarily Batman and reading some Spider-Man. I think Spider-Man's probably been the most humorous out of all the books that I've I've read generally speaking i kind of prefer the subtle humor in comic books that that's kind of the humor that i think i'm looking for because i think in ways that was the humor spider-man had for a long time was a little bit of a a subtler form of humor um he had some wit to him with some sarcasm in the things that he said the way comic books have sort of developed although um as jonathan said they started off as um the funny books and they were basically just big collections of comic strips most of them were 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 humorous the way in which comic books developed there was any number of sort of way uh, genres that that could have become dominant in comics i mean you know at one time you had the 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 funny books and you had the the horror stories and science fiction superhero comic books have you know have sort of dominated the the medium at least in the major publishers for 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 quite a long time and so humor at least for a long time sort of took a back seat although it flourished in the newspaper comic strips you know i've tried to follow different comic strips um that that are not humorous like the phantom or um uh, uh, rex morgan you know and it it just doesn't work as well even the Spider-Man comic strip didn't quite work as well. It, it, you know, it would be it would it, it would be hard to tell a story in that format. So, in the comic strip format, the gag made more sense. Now, in, in comic books, as as uh, as Father Kyle has been saying, humor has been more of like a, a, a has played more of a supplementary role. At least in, in in a lot of books, you have more like comic relief. So Spider-Man was primarily an action book with some, you know, teen romance and some humor thrown in. As comic books have sort of really been broadening the scope of the kind of stories they tell, you find more, uh, lo- uh, you know, longer series devoted to, to humor. And a lot of superhero books even ha- have, you know, have a more pronounced humorous edge to it. And I think for the most part, the the humor that has found its way into comics, it, it seems a lot of it has been borrowed from from other media, like uh, sitcoms um, and, and film. I'm thinking the way in which uh, the sitcom Seinfeld sort of changed the way comedy is done just across the board. And that's really influenced a lot of the comic books that, that I read. You have this sort of like, the celebration of the mundane, uh, or, or you have um, team books um, where they're all they all sort of sit around and banter, like Seinfeld and George Costanza at the at the at the diner. A lot of a lot of comic books have really, especially team books, have really embraced that kind of um, banter. You know, the 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 uh, the conversational humor. 
and I'm, I'm thinking in particular of, of books like um, The Deadly Foes of Spider-Man. Have you guys read any of this? It's like Seinfeld with supervillains. It's uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> of course, they can, if the one thing that does bother me about it is none of these villains seem like the same characters that fought Spider-Man. They're much more sympathetic. But yeah, I, I mean, to sort of go in a long, meandering uh, direction, I, that's, that, that's basically the way I see it. Yeah, um, you know, one of the funnier books I've, I've read in recent times that actually made me laugh out loud was um, uh, a volume of Avengers Assemble from a few years ago that Kelly Sue DeConnick wrote called uh, Science Bros. She, she did such a great job of, of that kind of banter. I, I think one of my, my favorite moments in that book took place in the kitchen at Avengers. Uh, what's the headquarters for the Avengers called? The Avengers, the... Stark Tower. The yeah, Avengers the Mansion. The right. Yeah. Um, and it's in the kitchen, and it's... Um, I, I won't ruin the whole joke for you, but basically... Uh, what you've got is Wolverine mansplaining to Captain Marvel about how best to cook microwave popcorn. And it was just, you know, it was just ridiculous. But I think, you know, I think some of the, the, the necessity for that kind of humor comes from the fact that in order to really do a good sort of believable superhero book these days... I think you kind of have to have some way of letting the audience know that you understand how absurd this is, that these people, you know, put on tights and fight crime. Um, not in a, not in a poking fun at it way, you know, it's not like that. those sort of scenes make it seem like, uh, you know, you have derision for this. Uh, but in a way that says, you know, look, I get that this is a little bit silly, and even the characters I'm creating here get that this is a little bit silly, but and they allow some of that into their world, um, some of that awareness of the absurd into their world, which then makes it okay for them to, um, you know, be able to do what they're doing. Whereas, you know, in the olden days when it was just like Superman wore his underwear on the outside and nobody ever talked about it, you know? <laughs> and you went, okay, well, why, you know, why is that? I think you're right, too, um, Father Matt, about the, the kind of um, Seinfeld everyday kind of humor and uh, the recurring joke, you know? Matt Fraction is really good at the recurring joke. Uh, this is part of what made his Hawkeye such a great book, is he would just... Uh, take the same kind of visual joke or line uh, about something silly o over and over again. Um, one, you know, one example being like he would often have either Clint uh, Hawkeye or um, Kate Bishop Hawkeye. You know, something would something simple would go wrong, and they would go ah, you know, whatever the thing was. So like in one one particular issue, it was that uh, he was trying to tie his sweatpants, and they came loose and he couldn't get them tied anymore and he just goes ah pants which is like not a particularly <laughs> funny line unto itself 
but when it comes as you know it's like the old letterman thing right like letterman would say something it wasn't very funny and then he would repeat it like 15 times throughout the show and by the end it was funny just because he's repeated it so much it is interesting to uh to see how much humor has come into comics in the last few years though and i didn't really think of that much until father matt was just talking but you know we've been in such a a progressively dark time with comic books and I think you you can't keep going in that direction without injecting something into it to kind of as you said give some relief to that and uh, and it just made me think about the fact that it's true in the Avengers books there's been a lot more of that that kind of sitcommy humor one book that I like a lot and I've given as a recommendation here before was um, Dan Slott's Silver Surfer and, uh, you know, he took a character who was utterly serious and has managed to inject so much humor into, um, into that character. And yet at the same time, not do it in a, in a disrespectful way, but he's managed to keep the character as a very virtuous guy who does good things, but he's a man with a silver body suit and um, rides around on a surfboard in space. Uh, it's just been some great moments in that. So I think it's kind of necessary at times that, that you have some of that humor in there just to diffuse all the other stuff that goes on in comic book world. You know, what you're pointing out makes me, makes me think, too. Humor is so bound to particular times and places, and it's so uh, generationally cyclical. And, you know, when I look back, like, you know, try reading an Archie comic from the 40s sometime. Uh-huh. You, can, you can tell there are places there where it's like, this is supposed to be a laugh line. Here's a uh-huh. funny interaction between a boy and a girl, and it just does not land in 2015. It's not funny. Um, and I imagine a lot of the stuff that, that we find funny now may not uh, land in, in 20 years or 30 years or, or 40 or 50 years. I wonder how much, you know, since American comics, just like every other American medium, um, is uh, sold around the world, you know, like, I wonder how much the jokes in the comics that we read land in other cultures, you know, like, in Japan, are they guffawing over, you know, awe pants, or is that just, like, a really, like, they're like, what is wrong with Americans? (laughs) (laughs) I imagine it's probably it's probably the what is wrong with Americans uh, thing, <laughs> because um, humor just doesn't translate very well. I know. Um, I mean, we've talked about Seinfeld. That nobody in 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 like Germany they tried to introduce Seinfeld and nobody thought it was funny at all. The funniest show apparently in in Germany right now. Um, it's the biggest show. Uh, 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 sitcom at least it was um, wait 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 was called... wait let me guess stars david hasselhoff am i right no uh... no but but he's big which shows cultural taste or different <laughs> <laughs> but um no it's it's actually called stromberg no nice. it, it, you know which is which is my name and, and, and so if whenever I Google my name, it, it's a sitcom in Germany. And it's, it's apparently like 
the the German version of like The Office, which was a big sitcom here in the United States and in the United Kingdom, and um, the, the the Michael Stott character, uh, the counterpart, is named Stromberg, and he's this arrogant, oafish like middle manager who's kind of racist, and uh, you know, <laughs> but I, I because I share a name with this sitcom. You know, I, I tuned into YouTube to try to check this out, and and I found one that had English subtitles, and I watched it, and it just, I, it went completely over my head. Um, it, it it felt very foreign, like I just couldn't understand the humor at all. But this this is 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 you know the biggest thing over there. It's like people really identify with it. So I, I you know I just find that really fascinating. Can can we go back just a second here to um, to ask the question how often it is that you're googling your name, Father Matt? I was thinking the same <laughs> thing. He said whenever I Google my name. <laughs> I, I I Google my name all the time because I'm a narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are. No, no. Actually, I'm just paranoid that people are writing mean things about me on the internet. So I have to check up on that Mm. Um, no but I also just I I like to find out information about like my family history and stuff like that Um, you know that's always been something that's fascinated me Um, and and, and this is this it dominates the online Stromberg presence well there there we are (laughs) Um, let's uh, before we um, before we move off of this I do want to talk a little bit about um, the movies and TV and all of that and how that's changed some of this. Do you think that the um, because it, there there is there does seem to me to be a pretty big expectation with the big blockbuster films, at least with the team films. You know, you've got the two types, right? I mean, you've got the super dark stuff like the Nolan films, but then um, in in the Marvel universe. I mean, I guess the Daredevil show kind of defies this because it's it's pretty unrelentless, you know, unrelentingly dark. But like most of that Marvel stuff, there is this kind of quippy kind of uh, humor that's expected, like the Iron Man films and the Avengers films, and um, and even in the um, you know this isn't in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but even in the like Spider-Man films, you know, like there's this expectation that there's going to be a lot of a lot of quips, a lot of quick uh, comebacks. Um, do you think that that has affected the comic book uh, scene, or um, are they cross-pollinating at all, or or what? I I would say that they probably are cross-pollinating a little bit. I mean, Marvel. So when you compare DC and Marvel, the big two, I think historically Marvel has always had a little bit more humor in its characters than DC did. DC tended to take its characters a little bit more seriously until, I I would say, until the time that that Justice League series that we started off talking about came out. And then I think there's become a little bit more room in the DC universe for some humor but, you know, Marvel historically being that way, of course we would expect that to come into the movies, and it has, as you've said. But I also think that those movies and the popularity of those movies has kind of pushed Marvel to make some of their books have a little bit more of that element. Hence the things like you, we've been talking about with Hawkeye and 
Silver Surfer and despite the the Netflix version of Daredevil, the Mark Wade version of Daredevil, the comic book version, mm-hmm. reintroduced some level of humor back into that character after that long, dark period from Frank Miller on through Brian Michael Bendis and so forth, um, Kevin Smith. I feel like it brought back some of that humor that was originally in the character. So I do think they kind of tend to feed off each other a little bit, the movies and the books. Yeah, I, I mean, it, without a doubt, they, they, they feed off of each other. I also think that the humor in the movies is, is, is a way of doing something we've already discussed, which is to diffuse the, the absurdity uh, of having uh, characters in, in, in bright colored costumes. And, and, and so when you're making a movie, the humor, the contradiction of, with, with real life becomes more apparent. So, it, it, you know, there needs to be a certain a level of self-awareness there or else it's just it's not going to land right. I, I really think comic book movies, when they're dealing with superheroes at least, really can't take themselves quite um, as seriously, or it's a lot harder to. I, I think there's a lot of that, there was a lot of that humor in, say, the Tim Burton Batman, which was not really present in, in, in The Dark Knight or Batman Begins. And in, in some ways, I, I think the humor sort of helps it not seem silly when Batman shows up. So that sort of uh, hyper-awareness, uh, I think, is also increasingly present in the comic books. As comic books today, they're less zany. They, they don't ask quite as much suspension of, of disbelief as maybe comic books did in the 60s and 70s. So, you know, they try to diffuse that kind of contradiction of the comic book characters with, with the real life that they're trying to portray by adding humor when moon knight shows up in spider-man we all think like you know moon knight's costume is the most impractical if you're going to be a a dark vigilante so all spider-man does is harp on the fact that who shows up to a a superhero fight dressed in white you know doesn't your costume get dirty don't don't the criminals see you coming a mile away and and they say well you know moon knight doesn't care because he's crazy you know he can't wear white so you know there's that kind of self-awareness it's really like kind of a wink to um to the audience that's saying like okay we're not quite taking this all that seriously well there is a lot more that we could say about this topic and things that we didn't even uh, get get a chance to get into here maybe we'll get into it again later I uh, would love to know what some of you out there think about the topic. Feel free to uh, write in um, and, uh, and let us know. But uh, for right now, we're going to move on to our final, uh, our final segment on the show today. And that, of course, is This or That. This or That. This or That. Come on, everybody. Let's This or That. Batman or Iron Man. This or That. Spider-Man or Superman. This or That. Boxes or briefs, this or that. DVD or VHS, this or that. Dungeons or dragons, this and that. Moses or Elijah, this or that. This or that. This or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Huh? All right, gentlemen, are you ready for uh, this? Uh, this or that? Yes. Okay. 
Who would like Fire to go away. first? Who would like to go first? I guess I'll go. Okay. Father Kyle, pogo stick or selfie stick? Pogo stick. I would much rather hop around and look at pictures of myself. Well, you know, we can't all be as incredibly handsome as I am. It's, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a burden, but I, you know, I carry it faithfully. You enjoy the selfie stick. I, I don't, you know, I don't uh, actually have a selfie stick, but I'll, I'll tell you um, a little story. So this past Sunday, you know, I'm here right outside of Philadelphia, and Pope Francis um, was here in Philadelphia and celebrated Mass downtown. And I went down there. It was, it was amazing, you know, a, a million people stuffed into this very small area. But um, they, the security was really tight, and there were a lot of things they wouldn't let you have, um, some of which were very strange, like you couldn't have fruit. Um, you know, which was sort of an interesting, I, I thought, uh, you know, uh, what, what about vegetables? Like, could I have brought a, you know, rutabaga or something in there? But, um, but anyway, one of the things you couldn't, couldn't have was a selfie stick. So, um, this, uh, older gentleman who was standing near where, where I was, uh, was a genius. He, he walked with a cane, but what he did was he took his smartphone and he rubber banded it to the top of his cane, and then he would stick <laughs> stick the cane up in the air. I was, it was it was kind of brilliant. So I don't know who this man was. I don't know what his name is. But if you're out there, sir, and you're listening, I salute you. Uh, so, well, speaking of Pope Francis, um, Father Matt, uh, this one is for you, Pope Francis or Pope John Paul II. And I don't want to. Um, no disrespect to Pope Benedict, uh, but I'm just curious, Pope Francis or Pope John Paul II? Oh, wow. Um, I guess I've, no, I haven't thought about who I like better. <laughs> but um, I, you know what? Um, well, see, now, Father I, Matt, I, remember, you can interpret this any way you want. So maybe you interpret the question as which one of them would win in a fist fight. Uh, maybe you <laughs> interpret it as which one looks better in white. You know, whatever, however you want to take it is fine. If I had to pick which guy that like I would want to hang out with, I mean, I think it's going to have to be Pope Francis. I mean, I think the guy's got uh, so much charisma, and he seems like a you know a really fun guy to to get to know. I mean, yeah. So I, I have to say Pope Francis, but I like I. I I, I think I would like to hang out with both of them. <laughs> Father Kyle, caramel or chocolate syrup? Oh, caramel. I think chocolate syrup sometimes, depending on what kind of chocolate syrup you get, sometimes to me is a little bit sickeningly sweet. There's something nice about caramel. Plus, you can you can have some of that with uh, the uh, monks and nuns who were named after it, right? The uh, caramelites? <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, Father Matt, uh, since we are talking about humor and comedy, Louis C.K. or Jim Gaffigan? I, I think I would say uh, Jim Gaffigan because he's, uh, I could watch him with my, with my parents and not <laughs> feel like uncomfortable. <laughs> um, 
So, but I, you know, they're both, they both really cracked me up. Um, but I, I think I could also kind of relate to Jim Gaffigan more. Um, you know, he's a family man, you know, and, and a Catholic, uh, Christian. So, I, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed the, the Jim Gaffigan show. I, I see a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of things to relate to him in that. Yeah. Although, um, Louis C.K., also a family guy, uh, although from a different kind of family. That, um, that episode of the Jim Gaffigan show where you get the Bible, the huge Bible. Have you seen that one? He gets a huge Bible? Wait, wait. Yes. I haven't, a, se- I haven't seen that one. I've seen I, a bunch I, of them. Yeah, there's a, it was one of the recent episodes, but if you haven't seen it, see it. He has to go pick up a, a Bible from the church, from the priest, and uh, and carry that Bible around with him through town. And the <laughs> the, uh, the way that things spiral out of control with him and his reputation as a result of that Bible, it's hilarious. I do like the priest on that show. I like when he yeah. brings the priest to uh, to take the Tonight Show with him. Yes. And then, uh, <laughs> and then he gets bumped because the priest is more interesting than he is. <laughs> My one question is, why does that priest wear his stole outside the chasuble? I wondered that too. Is that is that a Roman thing? I think that's a television thing. All right, I've seen it on Moon Boy done that way as well. Another uh, Irish comedy show, but oh, oh, only priest would notice such a detail. <laughs> I, 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 it's funny you bring right. that up because I said the same thing to my wife when we were watching. I said. His stole is on the outside over his chest bowl. And she's like, what? <laughs> and he wore a white stole uh, with a green chest bowl. What was going yes, on with that? Yes, that's the thing that I noticed. Yeah, it was weird. Me. It always irritates me when they get liturgical colors wrong. Right. right. I, I've seen them get liturgical colors in comic books wrong, too. The colorist completely... Colors it wrong, like they color the the surplus like a blue and like yeah, it's just awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Father Kyle, the ocean or lakes? The ocean. I love the ocean. I uh, I can't get enough of the beach, and I need to be near the beach. So hands down, the ocean. There's something to the soothing sound of it, the waves crashing. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Father Matt, uh, similarly, death by firing squad or official vanilla ice bootlicker? I'm glad I went with the uh, first questions here. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. D- official vanilla ice what? Bootlicker. So what this means is that uh, your job would be to lick the boots oh, of vanilla oh, ice. Oh, disgusting. Yeah. Well, um, Rob Van Winkle. I think that's right. <laughs> I think for the sake of my family, who would miss me if I died in a firing squad, I would take the more sacrificial route of being the vanilla ice bootlicker. Would it make a difference if I chose a different '90s celebrity to be the bootlicker? Oh, probably not. <laughs> okay. Just, just curious. Just curious. Father Kyle, Sons of Anarchy or Breaking Bad? You know, I've never seen either show, but I'm going to simply go with uh, Breaking Bad because I like Brian Cranston. 
That is, uh, I'm afraid that's incorrect. Uh, sorry, sorry to say. Um, what? You don't strike, no, I'm you sorry. Don't it is the correct. Sons of Anarchy. <laughs> oh, Sons of Anarchy is a great show. It's crazy, but it's a great. I actually have a piece on that coming out really soon. I, I watched. I watched ah. it the way you shouldn't watch it, though. I watched seven seasons in about four months. So, <laughs> with a show that dark and violent, it was a little much. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I would say so. Yeah. You, have to, you have to go uh, spend some time in the word, my friend. Yeah. Breaking Bad, I couldn't, couldn't get into. I, I watched about five episodes, and it was just like... Uh, oh, okay, wow. See, I've only seen maybe one episode of Sons of Anarchy. But I can't imagine good it's breaking bad <laughs> alright uh, that's fine all of you are wrong um, okay uh, Father Matt uh, continuing the trend of giving you the easy uh, questions um, in a fight with zombies okay so you're in a fight with zombies you get one partner to fight with you do you choose Green Lantern Hal Jordan or Mr. Data from Star uh, Star Trek? I think no contest to Hal Jordan. He's got a lot more power than, than Data. I mean, and he's got... I mean, he basically could put us in a protective, uh, you know, Green Lantern bubble. And, you know, the zombies would not be able to get us. So, here's my problem with that. Now, I, I, I see what you're saying, and, and I do love the Hal Jordan. I'm a big Green Lantern fan. The problem I have with that is... Uh, First of all, the ring could run out of power, and then you're then you're sunk. Um, and secondarily, uh, the beauty of, of having data with you is I'm pretty sure that androids can't become zombies. Whereas you know Hal Jordan, as soon as he gets uh, you know gets his brains eaten, uh, he's as dangerous to you as everybody else. Much like Blackest Night. That's right. That's that. right. Yeah, I don't know. I still think it's a good trade because the, the power ring would be a valuable weapon. I think we would need to have the lantern to recharge, obviously. Can you imagine if Mr. Data had a lantern ring, uh, he would be the most powerful being in the universe, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> that would be the ideal uh, zombie companion. <laughs> okay, um, Father Kyle, Mother Teresa or Mother Goose? Wow. Well, I'll go to Mother Teresa. She was a very fine woman who okay. did a lot of good things. And while Mother Goose is quite entertaining, I don't think Mother Teresa, or I don't think Mother Goose had the same impact as Mother Teresa on this world. All right, let me throw you one. I'm going to throw you a curve here. This is a bonus. Okay. okay. Mother Teresa, Mother Goose, or Shaft, who, as we all know, was one bad mother. Yeah, then we have to go with the shaft. <laughs> okay, well, there we are. You know, I mean, Mother Teresa did a lot of good in the world, but, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm just talking about John Shaft. That's, all That's right. Shut all right. your mouth. <laughs> and finally, uh, Father Matt, a uh, real softball across the plate for you here. Final question. This one, now, I will say this. This one is a little bit political, okay? It's political, so just be prepared for that. It could be controversial. Uh, President Howard Taft or a 57 Chevy? Well, 
the 57 Chevy, I think, you know, yeah, because I, I don't know what I would do with President Taft. <laughs> <laughs> you could do anything. Uh, you could go to the movies with him. You could um, discuss foreign policy with him. You could braid his hair, you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm noticing a trend that the 57 Chevy keeps reappearing in your this or that. It's uh, it's it's becoming a little bit of a, of a meme for me, yeah. That's I true. see. Yeah. yeah. Um, He's hoping that it'll eventually become funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. If he says it enough. Yeah. Oma, Oprah, Oprah, Oma. Uh, just, uh, just, just realize, both of you, that either one of you could be replaced by a 57 Chevy at any given time, just so you're aware. I know 57 I Chevys see. that have really, really detailed opinions about comic books, so. <laughs> My friend John Shaft would prevent that. <laughs> okay. Well, on that very strange note, that's going to do it for us today on God and Comics. If you would like to hear more, uh, hear some more episodes, or check out show extras, every time we put a show up, uh, I put up links to a bunch of the things we talked about. You can see all of that on our website at godandcomics.com. You can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, and while you're there, we would be very happy if you would uh, leave a rating or a review that helps other people to find the show. You can also uh, interact with us through Twitter or Facebook, twitter.com slash godcomics, facebook.com slash godcomics, and we're always putting uh, some, some stuff up on both of those places. Our theme song, which you are hopefully, hopefully banging your head to right this moment, is by Father Paul Wheatley. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michigan. I'm Father Kyle Conlon. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we will see you later. Mm-hmm.